The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Every time we preach at The Refuge Church, we're preaching from the Bible. And it's really important that uh, every once in a while I just start saying that because uh, we're, we end up flipping through our Bibles a lot. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles on the outer edges here. You can uh, whisper to your neighbor and have them uh, pass you one. Make sure that, uh, that as you are using your Bible, and honestly, I encourage you, if, if you're not familiar with the Bible, um, to, to not even uh, follow as we have it on the screen, but, but learn to flip through it yourself. Learn to be familiar with it. Learn to, to make it your home even while you're here. And maybe you're more comfortable while you're listening to me talk about it because it could be that you think, man, I love listening to, to Dave and Daniel as they, they uh, teach us from the Word of God. But then I go home and I'm, I'm thumbing through it and I have no idea what to do with this. And so maybe there's a safety here, but maybe it feels more dangerous when you're at home. And so I think even just the act of like reading and following, get a pen, circle the things we're talking about, will help you become someone when you get home it will feel uh, more safe even. Um, but the Bible is really an inherently dangerous book. It's not always going to say yes to the things that you say yes to. Uh, it's going to be searching you. It actually says it functions like a sword sometimes that's dividing these things inside of us, right? That have like got all gummed up or, or uh, have bound us and all of a sudden we find the word of God laser focused on those areas we've tried to keep hidden. So... Today is one of those topics. We're going to talk about fatherhood. And being a dad is dangerous in our culture. Being a dad is dangerous in our culture. And we know it because of the way dads are oftentimes represented in pop culture. And, the, and this is really telling that when I thought pop culture, I thought of like the Flintstones and the Jetsons and the Bernstein Bears. Like That's, that's the last time I was in touch. with pop culture. But if you think of the ways that fathers are represented, I know some of you are like, the Bernstein what? Uh, So when we were kids, we actually weren't allowed to read the Bernstein Bear books because the way it represented the dad. And and it makes sense if you think about it, because think of the way in the Bernstein Bears or or the Jetsons or the Flintstones or the Simpsons or whatever it is, the, the, the dad always is kind of a buffoon. Right? He, he sort of like charges his way into every situation, makes himself look like an idiot, and the family needs to come and rescue him. The, every Bernstein Bear book, same storyline. Right? He, he kind of just messes up life, and the kids are like, it's okay, Dad. At the end, like, we still love you. And, um, but think of the narratives we, we get even as we have these like enduring Disney films, right? I, I love Disney, but as I started thinking through each film, I thought, wow. Think of Beauty and the Beast, right? Beauty's father is, is nice, right? You get to the end, and you're like, well, he's a, he's a genuinely a nice guy, but he can't protect his daughter. He can't save his daughter, right? You think of Sleeping Beauty, right? The dad's just powerless to do anything as the, as the witch comes and like takes the child, and, and he, he can't do anything. Anything. Think of Little Mermaid, right? And her dad is is ultimately the one that makes her run away, right? And then so she gets into danger and ultimately 
again, he can't save her. Right? This is interesting. Bambi, right? Yeah, like Bambi, you have a very (laughs) removed father. This is really interesting. Think, though, of... uh, Think of Aladdin and Jasmine's dad, right? Not only does Aladdin not have a father, but, but the only father figure you have in that is Jasmine's dad, who's kind of an idiot, right? And so all these things you look at and you're like, being a dad is dangerous in our culture because they're the ones that it's easy to point at, right? And then I think of the way that we tell the, the narrative. This, the, we hear the story every year of Jesus, and it is very Mary-focused, right? Oftentimes, we think of Mary as a solitary figure who's doing things by herself, right? Alone. But she is not alone. And it's interesting, as we get into the book of Matthew, and we're going to look at Joseph today, that Joseph is actually the hero of, of Matthew and Jesus is the story of his birth. In Luke, you get Mary more focused on, but in Matthew, you really get Joseph as the one who's focused on. We learn about what it means to be a dad, a good dad, from the story of Joseph. And so we're going to dive in that today, and I hope it helps recreate some of our narrative. Uh, sometimes we can be really Mary-focused, right? And maybe when we come to, to Christmas, we'll think, like, well, where's Joseph? Well, he's there. He is so present, a man of, of good character, a man of righteousness, following the commands of God, and provides an amazing model for what it means to be a dad. And so let's re-enter that. Like, Mary is not a single mom, right? And, and that's not to... I, I celebrate. Single moms are amazing. Who they're, they're doing a lot of work in our country to keep it together. Amen? But here we have a dad, Joseph, who's a good dad. And shows the way a dad should be taking care of his family. Um, and I, I guess I'll share too, just um, I know as I speak for Mother's Day and Father's Day when I get to, that there are, there are certain nerves not to touch. But the interesting thing when you think about it, the, the nerve not to touch on, on uh, Mother's Day is you have to think of the women who want to be moms typically or maybe haven't been able to be. And you want to say, man, you are loved and you're a woman and you're beautiful, Right? On Father's Day, you have to think of the collateral damage, typically, right? That's, that's what at least you're taught as a speaker to do, is think of the people who, when you say father, they feel fear. But think of those narratives. Again, that's, that's the way that we just are expected to speak or feel or think. So it's so important to see the narrative of Joseph and see that God is not only calling fathers, that the Father God is calling fathers, there's guys that rock at it, right? And so right now, we're going to have like this little template about how to rock at it. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 1. We're going to be in verses 18 to 25. And this is the way it reads. <clears throat> this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So the context here, um, if you're, you know, it's amazing sometimes if we grow up in church how familiar, familiar we are with, like, like, like early Israeli culture, and we're like, well, actually, the, what it means to be betrothed. Well, if, if you're not familiar with that, um, back when Joseph and Mary were betrothed to be married, what it looked like was there was arranged marriages, and whether it was the, the suitor who approached the family or the, the family of, of the groom who would approach the bride's family, a deal was struck, and so they would be married, and, and you'd, for a time be betrothed to one another. And, and during that time, you would be called husband and wife. And that's why even in here, you see that um, it says, Mary was pledged to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband. Right? So it, it, they're betrothed at this point, but he is already being referred to as her husband. But even in culture at this time, the idea of divorce was, was already becoming more and more acceptable. And so in this time, you see Joseph having to, to wrestle through a very hard decision that needs to be made. And, and, and this is what I wanted, the first point I want to look at is, is part of being a father, part of being a dad is having hard conversations, figuring out hard conversations and Joseph gives us a really good model for having hard conversations. Have you ever had a hard conversation where you see it coming from a long ways off? Right? It's like you kind of saw the situation developing, and you know it's going to happen, and you're losing sleep already. Right? To see the person kind of makes you anxious. That, when Joseph heard the news that Mary was going to be, that Mary was, was having a child, and it says she was pregnant through the Holy Spirit, but, but that doesn't happen, right? So, so here he gets this news that Mary's pregnant, and he knows he's going to have to have a hard conversation. A really hard conversation. And I think uh, to honor what happened, we need to feel the tension. So Joseph is a man who is going to be married. He's excited about it. He's looking forward to it. He has Mary, and we know Mary, right? We're so familiar with Mary. Mary is an incredible woman. And here he is looking forward to what his life will be like as a married man. And then he hears the news that Mary is pregnant. What do you do with that? Well, this is what Joseph does. This is exceptional what he does. And there's two things I want to look at. The first is that um, that character comes out in hard conversations. Character comes out in hard conversations. And the character we see in Joseph is this. It says in verse 19 that Joseph, her husband, was faithful in the law. And so the first thing that Joseph does 
when he has to have a hard conversation, he says, what does the word of the Lord say? Right? What does God say about this? And the, the word of the Lord comes down really strongly on what it would have been considered. It would have been considered adultery, right? Because Mary being betrothed, being a wife at this time, would have been considered to have adultery because she's pregnant. And at that time, you would get killed. And so Joseph is consulting the law. He's a faithful man. He's faithful to the law. And it's, it literally is tearing him up on the inside. But he is also desiring to honor the other person. What does it look like when the law says to do this? And he is wrestling. What does it look like? Because he goes, I think really inside of me, he goes, but I know Mary. Right? I know her. Like, like, she's saying this from the Holy Spirit. And I think there's a part of him going like, like I, wanna, I need to honor her. Right? And he thinks about this. He says, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, but had in mind to divorce her quietly. And so he, we even get this in this discerning of time that happens in hard conversations. Right? What a time to consider. He, he doesn't act impulsively, which oftentimes we do, but he takes time to think about it and pray about it. And we are so grateful he did because in that time, this is the second thing, so your character comes out, who you are, what you've built your life upon, when everything else around you begins to crumble, all of a sudden, all that remains is going to be the foundation that you have built, right? And so, so what he finds himself reduced to is this place of simply open-handedly listening to God. And God shows up in a big way in this moment, And what God says to him is this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know what we learn from this is to be a dad doesn't mean that you always know exactly what to do. It also doesn't mean that you are just, you're like Superman, I'm not afraid, don't worry, I got this. Right? The angel comes, he's like, There's a lot going on in Joseph's heart. Joseph was genuinely afraid because he wanted to honor. He didn't know. He didn't know how to navigate these dynamics, right? And as a dad, there's a lot of pressure. Right? You have kids that think you know everything, and if you don't, they feel betrayed. They're like, you could not lift that car? Right? And that, but this is, it's the same thing. That, that sometimes you, as a, as a son, you go to your, your dad and be like, what about this? And... And you see in your father's eyes, he's, he's figuring that out too. Why? Because your dad's a human being, right? And, and that processing. And so Joseph listens. And in that listening process, God shows up and, and tells him what to do. There was this waiting, right? There was this tension. And, and think about it this way. God allowed that. Right, God didn't like, like Joseph and Mary weren't just walking in the park, strolling, and God showed up to both of them. He's like, hey guys, here's the plan. That would have been way easier. But no, God came to Mary, and he's doing something in her heart. God showed up to Joseph, he's doing something in his heart, and they're going to come together, right? But there's this time, there's asking of questions, hard questions, there's losing of sleep, there's fear, all involved. And what's happening? Joseph's being shaped into a dad, right? Dads, you're in formation. Kids, learn to honor that, right? Like, like what does that look like? Well, 
character and listening. That's what we find in these hard conversations. But listen, follow me here, and this is amazing, that God chose a man who could have hard conversations, who had character and was able to listen, to raise Jesus. And what do we see in Jesus' life? We see in Jesus a person who's able to what? Have hard conversations and listen. What's Jesus' life made of? Hard conversations and listening. Throughout his whole life, people are taunting Jesus. They're confronting Jesus. And you know where Jesus learned that? How to, how to respond to that? Well, Joseph, he probably saw Joseph facing that same thing as people were like, you're going to marry this whore? Yeah. I'm going to marry Mary. She loves Jesus, like she loves God. Like I'm going to marry like he saw Joseph model this for him. Like as I started studying this, I saw in every single point of the character of Joseph and I was like I see that in Jesus. Joseph was a dad. And Jesus was his son. Even later in life, it's like, this is the son of Joseph and Mary. People knew Joseph, and they still named him as Jesus' dad. And that character, you do see represented in Jesus. It's amazing. The character of God the Father in Joseph that then you see in Jesus. It's powerful. You see, Jesus, when he is confronted by a hard task or something he has to do, what does he do? He goes away and he listens. Because he saw Joseph, his dad, also go away and listen. And God the Father revealed to him what he needed to do. That's amazing. Hard conversations 101. Let's learn from Joseph. And, And part of being a dad is having a hard conversation. Like, don't date that boy. You mean what? Right? Like, you know, listen character, right? Model that. Like, this, this is incredible. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is, is what we learn from Joseph is that, that fatherhood is making your ho- home a place of belonging. This is amazing. Making your home a place of belonging. We see this. If you come down to 22, it says, all this took place to fulfill the Lord had said to the prophet, Virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary home as his wife. So what does it look to make your home a place of longing? Well, the first thing is it is a place governed by the commands of God, right? A place of safety is this place that is governed not by just a passing will or whatever might flare up in the moment but what God has said. And we see Joseph doing it. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did exactly what the angel of the Lord had commanded and that is when your home feels safe is when, when the, the wife and the, the children look at the father, look at the, the husband and they say, he is a man that follows the commands of the Lord. I know that that he is not just following whatever he wants to do. He's following what God has told him to do. Those could be two vastly different things, right? In each of our lives, right? Our best idea in in God's good intention. And, And Joseph is someone who puts the commands of the Lord above everyone else and so makes a place called home. Think of it this way. 
This is powerful. Mary was an outcast everywhere except when she was home with Joseph. That's amazing, right? That's how you make a house a home, a place where no matter what's going on in the world around you, no matter when Mary steps out the door and she is pregnant, she is obviously pregnant, and everyone knows. And she walks around her community and people look at her and they jeer at her and they make fun of her. But when she goes home, she is home. It's a place of belonging where Joseph and her are on the same page. (laughs) Where Joseph says, no, you're not crazy. God came to me too. We're following him together. And you might go out in the world and it might, it might feel like, like the world is full of people who, who might mock you because of the way you think or the way you believe or what you're doing. But fathers, if your home is a place that is governed by the commands of God and your family's coming, they'll feel home there. Uh, this was so powerful for me to think about what it would feel like for Mary walking with little baby Jesus, right? Going to get water, facing all of that, and then coming home. And that had to be such a place of respite and respite for them, right? That's incredible. And that's the role that God has created for Joseph to fill, and Joseph does it marvelously. No matter what baby Jesus is confronted by, Right? You even have like them fleeing to Egypt. and right? like, He is one who is protecting, living by the commands, listening to God, living by the commands of God, and then providing a safe place for his family. And that is, that's the role we see here that, Joseph, that God has made for Joseph, and Joseph does incredible at. Right? And, and, and get it, Joseph's learning along the way. He is literally learning from listening and going and doing Right? And I imagine as a, as a dad, it's got to feel crazy because you're like, like there's not, when you, when you first hold your child, there is not like a matrix download of information, right? It's not like all of a sudden you're like, I know how to burp a kid. Like, like, <laughs> like all those things, like you don't, you don't know all the dynamics, but that listening, that time, that waiting and following the commands of God is what we see modeled in Joseph. And it's a beautiful thing. The last thing is this, that making your home is a place of identity formation. Guys, this, and this is so important. We see this here. The very last sentence says, and he gave him the name Jesus. He gave him the name Jesus. So the name Jesus, as we see earlier in the verse, it says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She, give, she will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is Yeshua or it's the, in their day, the modern day name for Joshua. Right? Joshua means to deliver or to rescue. And, and uh, if anyone were to hear that name, they would have immediately thought of of Joshua, this commander of the army of God in the Old Testament, or, or Joshua the high priest as they're led back from Babylon. And the first high priest is Joshua. Both men, strong deliverers of the people. And, and God says to Joseph, you'll call him Jesus as deliver. He will rescue. He will save my people. And then he goes on to be like, 
he's going to be God with us too. <laughs> like, like the, he's making a home for God. That's literally what he's asking Joseph to do. And Joseph, in giving that name to Jesus, plays a role in the identity formation of Jesus. And this is so important. Naming of people is so important. Names are, I wrote this, names is more than a tag you put on someone, but it is a way you treat that person. It's more than, and this name is more than a tag. It's more than like, this is how I, you know, this is their, <laughs> you know, their species. This is Daniel, right? No, like it, it means something, and, and Joseph, in the identity formation of Jesus, is treating Jesus in that way. And I, I think about it in this way. I have had conversations um, recently even that I did not know what to do other than sit and be present listening, hearing people tell me, I remember when my father told me this. And I feel like I'm stuck 16. They're 30 plus years old. I remember when my father told me this. And that hurt me so badly. Whether it was the father saying, no one in my family would do this. Or you'll never amount to anything. Or, you know, no son of mine. Or calling their daughters ugly. Or whatever, whatever it is. I have sat with so many people who feel stuck at that moment in their life because that was identity forming. It was naming of them. And they felt that name given and it stuck. As a father, you have power in identity formation of your children. It's important what you say. And I think of it this way, that I think Joseph did this well. I think Joseph said, you will be Jesus, and you will deliver the people. And as Jesus grew up, Joseph kept reminding. Jesus was probably four years old, like, what in the world do you mean? And Joseph would look at him and say, you will save the people. Right? instilling that in him, loving him. Because when Jesus grew up, he was mocked and he was called names. Think of Jesus on the cross. Think of on the cross people saying, you saved others, but you can't save yourself. You're just a liar. And you know how much words hurt, but you know what's more important than anyone else's words to me is the words of my dad. All of you can tell me that a sermon sucks, but if my dad, honestly, honest to God, if my dad is like, man, I really appreciated that point, I feel like a million bucks. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I don't care what you think. But if my dad, if we sit down and he's like, man, I just feel like you didn't treat that passage right, which he's done. And I'm like, crushed. I'm like, I'm moving to Venezuela, right? <laughs> Take me, Venezuela. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, because why? Because it's identity forming. And it's the interesting thing where my mom all day will tell me like amazing things, right? And, and, and yet like my dad's very choice with his words. And I, this is really common as you hear. And so my mom all day would be like, you're awesome. Like, you know, and then my dad will say one thing and I'm just waiting for it. 
fathers, you have immense power in identity formation. Immense power. And I want to reach out to you who who maybe have been formed in a way that you still feel hurt or injured and know that you have a father in God who loves you and thinks the world of you. It's so important. Because there, there was a time when, when the roles changed. And I think what we learn is that, that Joseph passed away when Jesus was young. Because he's still called the son of Joseph later, but Joseph isn't present. Um, it's likely that Joseph was a bit older than Mary, so maybe he just passed away from natural causes. We don't know. But we know he was called Joseph's son as he grew up. Then Jesus also learned as his father to listen to God. Right? To be someone who listened and applied those things. And so I want to invite you into that with me. Um, I want to ask, just as I, I finish, I want to ask all the men to stand. And I just want to pray over the men in our church, fathers and non-fathers, because I think... Uh, many of you, I don't want to miss the opportunity over you who will be dads. <laughs> and, and you who, and, and opportunities of mentorship, right? Or other opportunities. You could be, I remember, honestly, man, when I was like 13, 14, 15, I was already like, like passing on stuff to the kids that we were working with here. And in a lot of ways was learning to listen to that. So please, dads, stand and let me just pray a blessing over you before we worship. Oh God, you are our Father, perfect in every way, loving from everlasting to everlasting, faithful when we are faithless, and healing all of our wounds as we come to you. You're the Father in the story of the prodigal son who who made home ready whenever the prodigal chose to return. And God, I pray for the men in this room, both fathers and non-fathers right now, that, that these men will be strong and they will be courageous. They will make wherever they are a home, a place of belonging, a place of identity formation for the people around them because you have give them, given them special power to speak. And I pray that they will take full opportunity of that as they are in men shaped by your character as they listen to you, that they are so attuned to the needs of the people around them. I pray that they will find moments where all of a sudden they find you speaking through them to their kids, to their families, to their friends even reminding them that they are fearfully and wonderfully made because sometimes, oftentimes, the people around them will not hear it unless they speak. So God, make them strong and courageous. Make us strong and courageous. Because sometimes we are so longing to hear that word ourselves. We're wanting someone to tell us that we are special and that we are okay and that we are loved. And so it's hard to open up and say that to somebody else. But I pray that the men in this room will just know that they are so loved by you. They are so safe in you. That they have been given a place of belonging in you. That they can turn to the person next to them and give them love. 
God, protect the marriages in this church. Protect the families in this church. That we can show to the world how good you are. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Love you guys.